Philippians 2.5. Let's read this together. It says, let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. I only have one message to preach this the rest of this month on Sundays. Because next Sunday we have a guest speaker. The next Sunday we have a guest speaker. And then we're into May. So, I got to thinking, yeah, I have a little bit of a pattern we're following. I want to be a church united when the, when the world is so divided. Remember what I've said, right? A world most divided needs a church most united. So, I've been preaching about, teaching about, we need to be united in heart, soul, and mind this month. Next month in May, I want to be united in strength. So we're really working hard to do some community outreach efforts and feed, and clothe, and help the needy in our city. And so just be, stay tuned for that. Uh, we're going to be doing some special outreach, putting our strength into united effort. But for today, I have one service, and here's what my thought was. The Lord laid this on my heart. What would you preach if you only had one more message left to preach? Well, you really deserve, I think, in my opinion, if I were you, I'd think, well, I'd, I'd like to hear that every week. I don't want to just get these, you know, lay me down to sleep messages. I don't want to get a message that's just a, something in the next page of sermons. What would, what would happen if Pastor Haman were to preach right now, teach, and give you a message that would be the message I would say, would be the message I would want to be the last message if I had to be done and I could never preach again? This is it right here. I know that sounds a little ominous because I sure hope I have a lot more. But this is it. This is it right here. It's not so much into the lineup of, of where we're at in the year. This is my heart. And I have, the Lord has laid on me a burden, a very heavy weight to make sure that we are a faithful ministry for you as those who are seeking God on your journey wherever you may be. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, literally who was God, that's what that Greek word means, form, it means he was God, didn't consider that the fact that he was God to be something that he had to worry about hanging on to. He could willingly, gladly make himself, next verse, of no reputation and take upon himself the form of another, and that is the form of a bondservant, coming in the likeness of men. And that's what we call the nativity. That's what we call the coming of the Lord in, in, the, in the first advent, which was Christmas, of course. He comes as a baby. And he grew up to be a bondservant in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. This is the mind we are to have in ourselves. He humbled himself. All you husbands, look at your wife and say, this is, no, you better not say, humble yourself. We all need to humble ourselves. And this is the God, this is God's example, Jesus himself. He humbled himself and became obedient to what? Could you look at the screen with me and say, how far did he become obedient? How far did he go to become obedient? Ready? He became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Wow. To what extent was he willing to go for me? And to what extent was he willing to go for you? The point of death. And I thank God for his death upon the cross. Therefore, God has 
also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. All the knees of the earth, every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those of the earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everybody say, Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Jesus' name. You are welcome to take your seats. Sister Madison Affenfelder, thank you for driving Lyft when you did back in those days, and thank you for having a captive audience in the form of someone who hopped in your car for a ride, and thank you for being an, uh, an apostle, literally a messenger, and you didn't just think it was a little side job to make money. It was literally an opportunity to speak to unknown strange people. And so, lo, lo and behold, one of those unknown strange people was Josh Calloway. And Josh Calloway heard more than just how's the weather and uh, where are you going and uh, whatever they talk about and lift cars. He heard about church and he heard about God and he heard about the power of God. And he, I would love to go back and hear that conversation. But, but here's what happened. He came to church the next service that we had church, far as I know. He came to church, and he got baptized and was filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit very shortly after that lift hire. And about a month ago, after the pandemic and after all, he's moved to gypsum and connecting with Pastor Hector Gonzalez. Isn't that an amazing fact? <laughs> We're like, yeah, you're moving to gypsum. We know somebody up there. You can run, but you can't hide. Hey. So here he is coming to us. Thanks the service starts at 10. It starts at 11. He comes early, and he's got his dear friend with him, his friend Emily. They are here early, and they have to run right back to Vail because she has a work shift. They come up, and they say, we just came. He says, I want, I want to show my friend the place I was baptized and where there was a powerful experience. So we said, well, come on in. And I'll tell you, the Lord started compelling us to just come all the way to the altar while they were practicing. And we had a powerful prayer meeting right here in the steps while they were practicing. And then she had to turn around and go back home. And lo and behold, what's happened since then is we had a Bible study in Gypsum at Pastor Hector's house on Friday night with the two of them. And she's here today, wants to be baptized in Jesus' name. So Emily, we're so thankful you're our new friend. Was that a pretty fast way to tell the story? That could have been a whole lot longer, trust me. But, and there she is sitting by Madison. Isn't that great? And uh, our prayers are going to be continuously with her. And uh, even though she does live up in God's perfect country in Colorado in the mountains, we're going to pray for her to stay really strongly connected to the wonderful apostolic church up there. And, wow, we had a great Bible study at Friday night. I don't know about you guys, you, you too, but well, I'll tell you, I, we had a good time. My wife, wasn't she on fire? Woo! And wasn't, wasn't Brother Hector on fire? And, and Rachel, it was a great, I, I was sort of the dud, but it was an awesome Bible study. It was wonderful. We had a wonderful Bible study. And so here today, um, it is just, what, what goes through my mind is this, that we have baptistry waters that are warm and ready to baptize anyone who realizes today that you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's something that I want to show you today is a literal and a urgent part 
of stepping into the life that Josh Calloway stepped into, and he has never, he told us at the Bible study, my life changed, I haven't been the same since then. Did we just sing a song about that? Did we sing a song, everything changes? Does anybody remember that? He told us that. He said, everything changed when I got baptized. When I was filled with the Spirit of God, things changed in my life. Well, folks, brothers and sisters, let me tell you something. If you could use a radical improvement in your spiritual being, in your innermost being, and you'd like to be in contact with God. I've got a plan, and God's already given us a plan. You don't have to be in contact with him. He wants to come inside you and fill you with himself and transform the rest of your days. Literally, everything changes. Everything changes. It's not signing a paper. It's not joining a club. It's not shaking a hand. It's a transformation of life. Now, C.S. Lewis was a fixture at Oxford University along with J.R.R. Tolkien. Both of those, Tolkien and Lewis, found that truth can be expressed in allegory and fiction. Remember, Tolkien, of course, produced Lord of the Rings. And Lewis, the Chronicles of Narnia. Both featured, bo- both of those stories, those chronicles, if you will, both of those vast sweeping epic messages and, and the stories behind them inspired future generations of writers, religious, science fiction, and fantasy. Now, one of C.S. Lewis's fictional works is called Screw Tape Letters. Screw Tape Letters. In the stories of the screw tape letters, if you don't have that book, I'd recommend it. In the stories, there's an elder demon teaching young demons all that the old demon has learned in his many centuries of experiencing tripping people up and leading them off the path to destruction of their own self-destruction. But let me tell you something. Let's just pause right here and let me tell you, to me, the most famous and instructive line from Lewis's, C.S. Lewis's book, Screwtape Letters, is this. The safest road to hell is the gradual one. Okay, we got the, we got the, the master teaching the younger demon how to, how to knock people off course. How to cause them to be tempted beyond their ability so he can win them to the devil. So this demon says these words, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. Everybody say, without signposts. The devil doesn't want you to see any signposts on the way to hell, fire, and eternal separation from God. The devil would prefer for you and me to go there and be surprised when we get there. But what would would that make a pastor or a preacher look like? That's like going to the doctor with a malignancy and the doctor saying, just just put a Band-Aid on it and take an aspirin. Everything will be okay. 
It might metastasize, but don't worry about it. Just start singing songs that have to do with birds and unicorns and rainbows and be happy. Now that's sadly a huge problem in American religion today. That there are no signposts on the road to hell. More than a memorial in Westminster, I believe those words deserve a hallowed place within the temples of our own hearts and minds. God, please don't let me slippery, safely, without knowledge, slip off the precipice and into hellfire. God, send a pastor, a pastor's wife, send a Madison or a Blake, send someone. Put your name in the, in, the, in the blank. If you've got the Spirit of God in you and you're working in the Holy Ghost, you're Spirit-filled, put your name in there and say, God, please let me go to someone and be a signpost to them so that they will not be victimized by surprise. God, put me in the right place at the right time so I can be a signpost. That's what this message today is about, signposts. And today, I'd like to bring it to the one central signpost of all time, which we've been singing about this morning. Colossians 1.19. Let's look at it together, everyone. Colossians 1.19. We'll look at one, we'll look at one verse 19, verse 20, verse 21, and verse 22. By the way, my preaching, I know, can be like drinking from a fire hose sometimes, I love slowing down and teaching and going very slowly and breaking it down offline, okay? So anybody here or watching online, I'd be so happy to either myself or someone in the audience or someone in the congregation, we can network and help you understand these things more, more deeply and perhaps even better, okay? I hope. But for today, let's, let's just do our best to drink this, okay? Try to grab it quickly, and I'll try not to let it be a fire hose, okay? For Colossians 1.19, it pleased the Father that in him, Jesus, all the fullness should dwell, and by him, Jesus, to reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things in heaven or things in earth, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Everybody say, thank you for the blood of the cross. Woo! Holy Ghost is moving in here right now. Those of you who are Holy Ghost filled, you ought to start kind of feeling, the, feeling a little, little something happening on the inside. Maybe the, wouldn't it be awesome if every one of us got the Holy Ghost could start feeling a, a little spirit of God. Maybe the spirit of the Lord start moving on you and you start recognizing, wow, what a message right there in that one verse that Almighty God went to the cross so that he could make peace through his blood for all things in heaven and in earth so that those things could be in accordance and in alignment with God because they were knocked off course out of alignment in the Garden of Eden when Eve ate the forbidden fruit. But God says, I don't, 
I don't leave it that way. I'm not going to just let it, let them figure out how to get to me. I'm going to come personally, and I will personally be in their presence. I will personally come into their lives, and I will personally be a part of humanity. I will make myself of no reputation, and I'll become the form of a bond servant if I have to. I will go all the way to the ends of my ability as that, as that bond servant. I'll do as much as I possibly can. In fact, I'm going to go so far as to be obedient unto death even the death of the cross. Would you just lift your hands and thank him for the cross right now? He made peace through the blood of his cross. Hallelujah. Please remember that. Frame that in your hearts and minds. That's such a powerful verse. Take it with you, church. Take it with you. He's the God who would not just let it reconcile itself. It can't reconcile itself. He himself came to reconcile things by himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Verse 21, and you, everybody say me, and me who once was alienated, once enemies in our minds by wicked works. Woo. Brother Josh, this is the change, man. You used to be alienated from God. Those of you who have the Holy Ghost right now, you used to be alienated. Don't let the, the, the older demon get to that younger demon, and don't let him creep into your little house and take down your signposts, all right? You came to church today to hear a signpost message about where you can do, where you can go, how you can live, and what kind of a relationship you can have with God. It says he has now reconciled that mind to himself. Watch this, in the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Verse 28 says, him we preach. Him we preach. Now, don't look at that scripture and say, oh, that's the pastor's job. Yes, it is, but it's not just the pastor's job. That word preach doesn't mean you have to have credentials and a platform and a pulpit and a microphone. Preach means proclaim. If you're driving an Uber and somebody's in that car that you connect with and you feel the Holy Ghost moving, start preaching Christ. You see what it says? Him we preach. Amen. Everybody say, him we preach. That's the kind of church I want to go to. A church that can testify those three words. Him we preach. We're not satisfied to let someone else do it. Him we preach. I'm happy to break it down and share it with you. Every one of us, regardless of who we are, let us be those who say, I'm ready to be someone who can say, Him I preach. I proclaim. The word preach means proclaim. Warning. Oh, now, let's, let's watch that word. Warning. See, this is what that demon does not want. He does not want signposts. He wants us to just slide on into hell. But watch this. We preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor striving according to his mighty working, which works in me mightily. I want the Lord 
to work in me mightily. I can't do it. I'm not, I'm a, I can't do it by myself. I need him to work in me mightily. If, if you'll just join me right there and say, God, I need you to work in me mightily. Lord, I, I, need, I need your cleansing, yes. I need to be reconciled by your blood, Lord. I need peace by your blood. But, God, I need you to work in me mightily. Lord, start getting a hold of me and animate me, mobilize me, transform me so that you can be working, begin working in me mightily. So when I speak words, they're words that are not foolish and, 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 time, and time wasters, but I can speak words that are, are, are intentional and necessary. So C.S. Lewis suggested we need signposts. He suggested we need milestones. So here's the biggest and I believe the most important signpost of all humanity. You must walk past Calvary. The American church has grown almost completely silent on anything that calls people away from the lowlands and into the highlands of serving the holy God of the universe. Anything that goes against the grain of self-will and self-esteem is kind of shut down and kept quiet because there are popular votes and likes and, and, and shares that people want to have. They want to get recognition. They want to have widespread fame and fortune, and that will not happen unless you are we're going to be someone who suppresses the message of the cross of Christ. And I really mean the cross of the, that includes the blood of Jesus Christ and, of course, the need for us to refuse self-will and to put self-esteem aside and say, God, I need you more than I need myself. And I want to empty myself of, you, of myself so I can be filled with you. Folks, unfortunately, even in the Pentecostal movements, people preach Pentecost without the cost, unfortunately, and grace without the consequences. And, and we like to say, God is love. And we repeat it again and again. God is love. But what about this? God is holy. Do we ever preach that? I want this to be a church that you can hear. God is holy. I don't want to convenience and insidiously omit the fact that God is holy. <laughs> Folks, I'm telling you, we, none of this comes as a surprise. If you're a little older, you know that 60 years ago, the hour of power became a, a broadcast radio program on the air across America, the hour of power. And that perhaps marked the fusion of the pulpit and self-help philosophy. And here's the message. If it is to be it's up to me. Hour of power. Individual success that blended so well with the American mindset became the preferred theme of pulpits across America while leaving signposts conveniently lowered to the ground and out of the view of those who desperately, desperately need those signposts. A.W. Tozer a contemporary minister of C.S. Lewis said these words. I want you all to catch this. The vague and tenuous hope that God is too kind to punish the ungodly and become, has become a deadly opiate for the consciences of millions. It hushes their fears, allows them to practice all pleasant forms of iniquity while death draws every day nearer and the command to repent goes unheeded. A.W. Tozer, the vague and tenuous hope God is too kind to punish 
the ungodly. That's a nice message, isn't it? It makes you feel so good. It makes you feel like, okay, all is well. I feel a little pressure building in the sanctuary right now. I feel the Spirit of the Lord is confronting the spirit of self-will here today. And some are like, okay, am I going to go or not? And there's a tipping point that's going to happen for someone in this house. And when you hit that tipping point, please let go. Don't push back. Let the Holy Ghost flood over you. You can receive the Holy Ghost right now where you sit because you can repent right where you sit. And you can ask God to let you have a clean slate, a brand new start, a change from the inside out. You could do it today. You don't have to wait for us to have a special song or a special announcement in Jesus' name. Can I just tell you, if there ever was a milestone needed, if there was ever a herald for a signpost needed, it's today. God, help us today, today to be that kind of a day where that signpost is up and it's clear and it's preached boldly and without fear. Now, let me just tell you, Paul, wonderful word of God, New Testament, most of it was written by Paul. He was a preacher. Apostle Paul declared the whole counsel of God, not just the savory, not just the pleasant ones. But Paul declared counsel of God that might at first be a little bitter to the taste. He described how Jesus was more, way more than a good man, more than a teacher or a philosopher. Hear me now. Paul taught that Jesus was and is the very God of heaven transformed in human flesh. And that this same Jesus, whoo, hallelujah, this same Jesus came and died on the cross. And through the blood of that cross transformed the lives of all who pass by. He's transforming lives today. He's transformed lives this week. He's transforming lives in Burma and China and Brazil. He's transforming lives in other states and cities and municipalities. He's a God who is transforming people, but we've got to pass by the cross. Shameful to blameless, we walk away, thanking God we are no longer shamed, but we have blamelessness. Walking away from unholiness and into a holy life of purity. Walking away from reproach and into the beautiful blue sky and fresh air, the rarefied air of deliverance. Woo! No more shackles. No more chains. I am bondage free. Hallelujah. And I am set free. Paul said these words, him, we preach. <laughs> we don't preach our own philosophies. We don't preach the latest fad. We preach Jesus. I still believe in the old Andre Crouch song that said, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Woo! Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. Everybody say, Jesus is the way. That's what Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. There is no entrance into glory without passing through him. We must pass by Calvary. Contrary to what modernists and postmodernists may say, to exit the city of destruction and enter into the celestial city, you and I must pass Calvary to be saved. We must pass Calvary to be saved. Hallelujah. To Paul's sons in the gospel, Timothy and Titus, 
He taught them how to conduct themselves, how to organize the church, how to effectively minister. Now, I want to share something with you real quick, okay? Since most doctrine, uh, since most people of the first century were illiterate, in case you didn't know that, most of them couldn't write or, or, or read. They were illiterate. So since that was the case, teaching wasn't taught in treatise and thesis and in writing and lecture as much as it was taught in song. Everybody say song. Some of the greatest teaching, some of the greatest passages of the epistles that teach us how to be a church and are the church, they're thought to be songs that early believers learned and sang again and again to drive the message home. Now, if you look at the, those epistles written by Paul, there are five places where the, the, the writing that follows is called faithful sayings. So it says, this is a faithful saying. Five times, this is a faithful saying. And there is strong evidence that faithful sayings were turned into songs. So let me share one of them with you. You ready for a faithful saying? 1 Timothy, 15, 1 Timothy 15 and 16 says, 1 Timothy uh, 15 and 16. My goodness, I forgot to write the chapter down. I don't know what the chapter is. I know, I know there's not 15 chapters in 1 Timothy, but watch this. Here it is. This is a faithful saying. You have to just trust me on this one, right? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief, Paul said. Can Pastor Amon just join right in and say, I'm chief too? Anybody else join me and say, I'm chief too? I just thank God for the fact that he has done something to help me. He says, however, for this reason, here's his song, I obtained mercy, that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all on suffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. In other words, Paul said, sing this, Jesus came to save me. <laughs> Jesus came to save me. Everybody say it with me. Jesus came to save me. Jesus came to save me. Oh, hallelujah. I must walk past Calvary. I, I, without him and without his help and without his salvation, there is no everlasting life. There is no heaven. If I don't have him and I don't have his salvation, I have nothing. I must walk past Calvary. There he gave, and on Calvary he gave of himself to fulfill the age-old admonition. And this is the warning, that there is no remission or washing away of sins without blood. Blood. I don't ever want to be a church that starts noticing blood in our lyrics and not singing it because it's got blood in it. No. No, I want to sing songs that are heavy about the blood when the time is right to sing those songs. Amen. May we ever sing about the glorious blood of Jesus Christ. Happy day, happy day when Jesus washed my sins away. Come on, somebody. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, right? Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. How about this one? Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit, Everybody say it with me. Washed in his blood. I thank God for the blood. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Another old song says, hallelujah, the dying thief rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there have I, though vile as he, 
washed all my sins away. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? How about this one? What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. You must pass Calvary to be saved. You must pass Calvary to receive his cleansing. You must pass Calvary. That's where his blood was shed. And that's where he loved the world this much. And this is where he loved you this much. He loved us to his death. He obeyed. The, he went to, as an obedient bondservant. He went as far as he could go. The death of the cross. And I thank him today for the revelation. Revelation 1.5 says from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. First one to ever rise from the dead, never to die again. And ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. So to enter heaven, friends, you don't have to follow your, you can't just follow your own conscience. Well, the world would love to tell you, just follow your conscience and whatever your passion is and whatever your conscience speaks to you. No, no, no. To enter the kingdom of heaven, you can't just go following your conscience. You don't follow religious tradition of your parents and grandparents. No, you can't do that. You pray for them and pray that God would have mercy and love them just wherever they are, but you must walk past Calvary yourself if you want to be saved. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, I'm not going to stand here. I'm not going to stand here today and tell you that I don't need him as much as I, anybody else. I need him. It's easy to illustrate the hypocrisy of others. And you know, I could put a whole little litany of people on the screen and I could be like, look at how bad they are. Look at those self-professing Christians. Look how far away they are, they are from God. No, no, no. I'm not going to do that. That's easy. That's too easy to do. You know what? I'm not going to fall into that temptation. And here's why. Because I don't need to look any further than the mirror to tell you the power of God is so desperately needed in me. When I see myself and then I take a glimpse at Calvary, I realize I failed the test. And, and, and the one who loved the best, he is the one who told me, take up your cross daily. He is the one who said, mortify and put to death the things in your life that are not like Jesus. He's the one who told me to bury the old man and allow the new man to live inside of me. I'm told that anything in me that succeeds, anything in me that's worthy of praise, anything that's good and lovely and noble, it's not in me at all. It's Christ living in me. Let's lift our hands and thank him right now for the power of transformation. Oh, hallelujah. Can I tell you, I wish there was a more picturesque and pleasant way to say it all. But there's not at all the path to life everlasting is a narrow way. The path purchased by the cross is not easy. No, no, no. The path purchased by the cross is constricting, it's narrowing, it's confining. It's not the broad way that the whole world is happy to run down. No, no, no. It's the straight and the narrow, and it's the way that is less about me and more about thee. Not my will, but thine be done. You've got to do more than follow your own conscience, friends. You can't just do, do more to be a good person. You must walk past Calvary. That's called the good news. That's called the gospel. Here it is. We taught this on Friday night. Just as Jesus died, we die through repentance.
Woo, hallelujah. What is repentance? It's a transformation of our choices, our heart, our mind, our spirit from the inside out. We make a change and we say, I'm done going the old way. I'm going a new way. And I'm going to go that new way no matter what because I'm going to start living a new life. And this new life is going to be crowned by my baptism in Jesus' name. And I'm going to be filled with the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when I died in Christ, uh, I am following his example. And when I die in Christ, I'm also following him into the grave. Jesus was buried and we're buried with him in water baptism. Woo, aren't you glad that's not all? Anybody glad they didn't keep Jesus in the grave, that he didn't stay more than four days, five days, six days? Aren't you glad? Third day, he rose from the dead. And isn't this awesome, church, that you too, you don't stay down in that watery grave. You come up rising again in the power of the Holy Spirit, ready to be transformed, filled with the Holy Ghost, a brand new language, speaking in the name of Jesus, and then speaking in tongues as the Holy Ghost gives the utterance. Woo. All these things are summed up under that word, Calvary, church. Calvary, the same. The same was seen in the priests in the Old Testament. Blood was shed at the altar. Musicians, please help me. Blood was shed. If you'd lived 4,000, 5,000 years ago in the Old Testament, you would have seen there was shed blood Real red, shiny, sticky blood was shed at the altar. And water cleansed the priest in the laver when he washed his hands. And then the spirit illuminated the person in the holiest of holies. Blood, water, spirit, all three testify on this earth. You must walk past Calvary to be saved. This is your day. If it's been a while since you've walked past Calvary, can I just invite you to just not get too far from Calvary, but let your heart and your mind stay close to the Holy Ghost and close to the God who loves you. Now, I have one more, say, one more thing to say, and it's not easy. In fact, it's probably one of the hardest things in this world these days for a preacher to say because a preacher who's really a pastor and a shepherd at heart has a hard time because of the love for people but can I say this it's only those who really love people who will say it you must walk past Calvary to be lost don't do it <laughs> saved or lost an incredible dichotomy of meaning such a contrast oh preacher the next thing you will say is there's a heaven to be gained and a hell to shun yes you're right I said it there's no way I can walk out of this building today without saying it most Americans according to recent polling most Americans 89% believe in heaven but only 31% believe in hell. And most of those who believe in it don't believe they're going there. So less than one in four people believe they or anyone they know will go to hell. But I got to tell something to you right here. When Paul described Jesus' death at Calvary, he said, he said him we preach warning everybody and when Jesus was here he warned people about hell more than anything else and anyone else in scripture would you want to go to a church that says don't worry about hell 
Don't even talk about it. No. If I were you, I'd think I'd say, don't you let those demons ever get to you, Pastor. You keep that signpost of Calvary way high in this congregation, in our songs, and in our testimonies, because there has got to be a signpost of Calvary. Warning every man. Warning every man. Twice Jesus warned about the danger of hell. Can I tell you on the Sermon on the Mount? Twice. Spirit of the Lord is moving in this house. I, I'm just going to start saying, if you feel the Spirit of God calling you, compelling you, bring your friends, bring a family member, or come yourself. But this altar is open. Should anybody want to come and call upon the Lord? I want to tell you, Jesus himself, in the, in the one sermon on the mount, he twice warned about the danger of hell. He tells us we shouldn't fear the one who destroys our body, but we should fear him who's able to destroy both whole soul and body in hell. C.S. Lewis suggested it. Calvary's a signpost to stop the slow, gradual descent into hell. Oh, I thank you for the cross, Lord. Calvary, I know it's a geographical location, and I know it's the sign of it's the place of the cross. Calvary is the single greatest deterrent in a spiritual decline of humanity, and of course, you and for me. I want to be a part of a congregation who grasps this to the point of desperately wanting to be someone who bows my knee at Calvary, not just briskly walking by and hoping that I can make it by without looking, but I want to be someone who's willing to behold the cross. Jesus will not come back as a savior church. Can I tell you? He is coming back as a judge. So let's be ready today by crossing through the threshold of the cross and making sure that Calvary has cleansed us. Second Thessalonians 1.8 says he's coming back, but he's coming back in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. And those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his power. So today, we're about to break this service over into a new segment and pray. There's an old song that I stumbled across while studying. It says, you'll have to walk past Calvary on your way to eternity. You'll have to see where Jesus died, where the Lord was crucified. You'll have to walk past Calvary. That song was taken from a true story of a man in Chicago who asked a policeman how to get to a certain bar. Can you believe the bar was called the Gates of Hell? And the policeman was just giving directions. He wasn't preaching a sermon, but it came across as a profound message of wisdom. Here's what the cop said. Well, you're almost there. Just take a ride at the next corner, and you'll see a church called Calvary Church. Walk past Calvary, and you'll be at the gates of hell. That's my burden today, church. It's more than just the name of a, of a Calvary, a church, a family. It's more than just, folks, I'm going to tell you something. It's an eternal signpost for all of humanity. You and I have to walk past Calvary on our way to eternity. That's the message of this church. 
but the church Jesus said that he built next door to the gates of hell also is a church that will prevail. Somebody say amen. It will prevail. It will prevail. The gates of hell shall not prevail. We are going to be those that, that prevail because of this glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So in conclusion here, bow your heads together. Let's begin to pray. I'd like to invite anyone else who would like to pray to begin making their way to the front. It's time for us to pray a prayer of true passage by Calvary today. The crowd gathered where the cross is composed. The crowd gathered around the cross is composed of two groups, church. There are those who are friends of Jesus and there are those who are foes. So it is today. In the great seething masses of humanity, restless and careless as they pass by the cross of Christ, some of his friends and some are his foes. But I want to have you join me and let's ask ourselves right now, to which group do I belong? Do we crucify the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame? As we gaze upon that tree, standing there on the hill, as we behold the suffering Savior, friends, does the sight cause you to bend your knee before him in adoration and repentance? Do we listen to the great words that Jesus spoke while on that cross? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Thank you for the cross, Lord. To get to heaven or hell, you must pass by Calvary. Thank you for being at Calvary today. Now I want to invite you right now to decide what Calvary means to you. I invite you to find a place to pray. As a congregation, let's have a widespread time of prayer, a widespread time of entreaty and petition before the Lord. No rush. Savor the moment and let's make sure that we're looking to the cross today as our saving signpost. Would you join me and let's thank God for the signpost that keeps us from making the worst decision of our lives and that is to be rocked to sleep. Thank you for the cross that transforms us, that makes us brand new. Thank you, Lord, for your example of repentance. Thank you for being obedient to the death of the cross. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Special prayer happening right now in this altar, in this area in the front I mentioned earlier. Come on up, let's pray. Friends, family, church, this is not just another Sunday morning. This is a Sunday morning where heaven is intersecting earth. And we're all given an opportunity to make a decision. Will we pass the cross as a friend or as a foe? I choose to be a friend of the Most High God. Let's pray together, church. For the next few minutes, just let me get out of the way, and I want to invite you to join me. Maybe you can find somebody to pray with if you're already praying. Let's join together in prayer for the Lord to let there be a holy unction that settles over everybody here today at the hearing of the word of the cross.